show that again. Is everybody awake? Good morning. It's good to be here on the second week of Advent. We're going to stand. If you feel like standing and worshiping with us, come. Now is the time to worship. We're going to have a good morning this morning. Amen. Come. Now is the time to
bless the voice. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you that we can come and celebrate the hope of the world. Thank you that we can celebrate the hope that is coming, the hope of Jesus Christ. For many years, the, the, the people of Israel looked for the Messiah who is coming. They thought for sure he was coming on a great cloud to take over. And he showed up as a babe in a manger. And so for that, we are so grateful, God. We thank you for everything that you did for us with us. We ask this day, God, for all those who are here, that as we celebrate this hope, that our hearts and our minds are open to hear everything you have for us. We ask that you speak boldly through our Pastor Josh. As he just speaks to us this day, may our hearts and our minds hear everything we have from you, God. And we pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Please have a seat. My name is Bill Nelson. And our pastor, Eric, isn't feeling well today. He caught the cold, and he thought it better not to come and share that with all of us. And for that, I am very grateful. He is watching online. So basically, I could say whatever I want to about him. <laughs> and for those of us that are here part of our church, they know that's a very dangerous thing. And he back right now at home is watching very intently because he has no idea what I'm going to say. I'll be nice. So we're grateful. Today you see a Christmas tree back there in the back. Every year what we do is we join with a group called Fresh Beginnings Ministries, and I know a little bit about them. So we're going to basically let you know that we're doing a toy drive for them. Every year they gather and they have um, toys for kids. This year they're serving 2,000 children, mainly children of veteran families. Uh, many of which the vets are across the sea, and these children will be receiving, receiving uh, toys uh, from their parents who are across the sea. And we're asking you to give us unwrapped toys. Um, they will, we are collecting the toys now. There's a big chest back there. And starting today, you can grab one of the tags off of the trees. There's a couple of different kinds of tags there. The tags, some of them say a dollar amount where that you can just give a donation to Fresh Beginnings Ministries and drop it in the box back there. Or you can go to buy a toy and it will say like a girl age 5 or a boy age 10. And you just basically go and buy the toy, stick the tag on the toy and bring it with us. And we have wrapping. Please do not wrap the toys as we have to make sure that they are uh, appropriate toys before we wrap them. Because we, if you do wrap the toys, we actually have to unwrap them, make sure they're appropriate, and they don't contain anything dangerous because we have received those in the past. So we would ask that you just bring us the toys with the tags stuck on them, and then we will do that. Um, and you can also now, this year, um, our uh, liaison to the community has made an Amazon, I am reading this now, I've been given very specific instructions. On Amazon, you can go on Amazon, click on, say, ask for Fresh Beginnings Ministries, 
and you can scan on Amazon under Fresh Beginnings Ministries, scan the code, and there's a wish list for us, and you can just have it mailed directly to us, and the toy that you pick will get directly uh, mailed right to us. And if you have questions, Sherry Rothenberg right across the street, she is the one who does us, and she can answer any questions for you that you have. That's the first thing. Next, Craig and Sarah Marshall, where are there they are. Thank you very much. Thank you. They are here this morning. They are with Wycliffe Bible Translators, amazing work that they're doing there. And you guys are in Indonesia, is that correct? Thank you very much. I am so glad to get to meet you guys in person, by the way, I'm, I'm who we've got to talk this week. So I'm so glad. And I'm going to ask Craig and Sarah to come on up because we're going to ask them to come up and share. And afterwards, we're going to have a prayer time with them. But Craig and Sarah, come on up, and I'm going to hand you guys a microphone. And I would love for you to share a little bit about what's going on in Indonesia. They're on number three, guys. Now it is on. Okay. <laughs> we are so thrilled to be here with you this morning to worship together the hope of the world. What an amazing thing we have because of Jesus. And as we were coming here and we were reflecting on what God has done, it's just overwhelming how good he is. Because of you partnering with us and others, we've been a part of helping others find out about that hope through Bible translation. And what a joy to see lives changed, people understanding the truth and the hope that we have. And um, so this year we've been continuing virtually. It's been a crazy year for all of us, but we are um, so grateful for the people we've worked with for years and years. They are now taking on new efforts, new Bible translation groups and uh, thriving. They need wisdom. We need more workers. Please pray for that. And, um, and I've been continuing to do some consulting virtually for teams all over um, in the country where we work. And um, today I start, this afternoon, because it's already Monday morning this afternoon, I start with a new group. And we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapters 1, 2, and 3, some of the best verses for Christmas. And I was just thinking this morning about um, as Zechariah, um, prophesied about his son who would go before Jesus, the Messiah. He said these words are what we're going to be translating, working on to make available for this people group that's never had anything. This is a brand new translation team. Because of the tender mercy, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And they've never had those words before in their language, in that community, and there's so much darkness. And I thank you for going with us, me, this afternoon, um, as we help. Thank you for being with us. Good morning. Yeah, as we consider what's ahead for us, a group of guys uh, that I get together with every week in San Diego, we've been memorizing some uh, verses, and one in James 3.17 really speaks to me as we look ahead. Um, but the wisdom from above is first pure, 
than peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I think that's great advice for all of us in this tumultuous times. Uh, we were supposed to be in Indonesia in September. We were asked to move back there to help transition leadership from mostly expats to all Indonesian, doing Bible translation in the province that we work in. So lots of unknowns. We need God's wisdom. We're planning on leaving in uh, late January, and we'll see what, uh, you know, countries open and close doors now on the turn of a dime. So we need God's wisdom. We need to, like this afternoon, we need to buy plane tickets so that we can prove that we have a ticket to get out of there so they can give us a visa next month. So that would be a, that'd be a big prayer request for us. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm going to have you guys step this way a little bit. This is perfect timing. Josh, I hope you don't mind if I do this, but who better to light this the second week of Advent candle? Craig, if you would just take that lighter. I'm going to have them light this because this is a great thing on hope. Go ahead and light that. And we're going to have them light this candle as we say a prayer for them as we commission. I'm going to say a prayer also for that provision for that um, that plane ticket. And, and we know that God's going to provide for that because of what the work that they do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that you have called Craig and Sarah to this most important work because the sharing of your word and the, the lighting of, of this candle of hope, this, this light of hope that needs to be shared with people all around the world, for the unreached people groups in that nation, for a nation that <laughs> is largely seeking after such a darkness, Father, we would ask that you cover them their families, their workers, the work that they do, that you would give Craig and Sarah the, the wisdom, the enlightenment in their minds to be able to translate the words that would be able to give the hope and give such words of encouragement and the light of, of your word, God, to be able to bring these people to the light of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for provision for these tickets, for the needs that this ministry needs, for all of the provision that needs to take place to continue for Craig and Sarah's work to be performed. We ask for your blessings upon them, that you would continue to give them strength and that you would honor what they do, Father. And we give them just such blessings, Father, and we appreciate for everything they do. And we pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Amen. And now it's time. We don't know what he's going to do when he does it. Josh, come on up here, brother. Let's share the word. Hope is a joke. Ah, I got you guys. If you guys were here last time, I did that. I started with spoken word. I'm not going there. But uh, uh, Pastor Jeff nearly broke the stained glass window back. He's like, you got to be kidding me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
And talking about hope, uh, they asked me to do traditional Advent. I go, I don't know either of those words, meanings. <laughs> so you got to help me out here, but I'm still going to do me. We're just talking about hope. Um, yeah, I, I believe the Lord has something really good, though. Um, he has a really good word. He downloaded something really just special on my heart way back when, when, when this was brought up. And now I, I think it's, it's not undownloadable. It's, it's really here to stay, and I, I really do hope that you guys um, can receive it. So I, that's my prayer is that you guys have the ears to, to hear and the, and the hearts to really receive. But hope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast you guys with a bunch of different meanings of hope and hope something sticks. Uh, in Hebrew, there's a lot of meanings of hope. There's two, essentially, that I've summed them down to just because that's boring to me. So waiting and the um, tense expectation. It's like the two, two sub-branches of hope that have really gotten it boiled down. There's more. In Hebrew, there is more. But we have hope as in waiting. So like when Noah was on the ark, he was waiting for the tides to recede to find land. He was hoping for land. Uh, then you have uh, this tense expectation. Tense is actually it's derived from the word like a rope. So picture tug of war, you're pulling on the rope, there's some tension there, and there's either one team right that falls or collapses, there's a release. Before that release, there's tension in that rope, that's waiting, that's hope. That's the meaning of, from the Hebrew words. And we see this all over scripture. I'm going to start with Isaiah chapter 8, verse 17. It says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. And that word wait, I will wait for the Lord. I will hope for the Lord in Hebrew. That's, that's hand in hand. And the hope Isaiah had in those dark days was the hope in God himself. See, biblical hope is, is based on a person, not your circumstance. Okay, biblical hope is based on a person, and it's different from optimism. Some people see the glass half empty, half full, right? Half full, optimistic. That's somebody who sees and chooses to see their circumstances in a positive as aspect. It's not that. It's different than that. Um, another prophet that does this, Hosea, in the Old Testament, he lived in a dark time. Israel was under foreign rule. And Hosea chapter 2, verse 15 reads this. There I will give her back her vineyards and, and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the day of her youth, as in the day she came out of Egypt. Now she in this verse is Israel. And the valley of Achor, Achor literally translates to uh, trouble, the valley of trouble. So Hosea is looking at his circumstances, and he's choosing hope beyond the circumstances, okay? Uh, so, so, needs to know, so he's looking back. He takes it, says him, just as the days of Egypt. He's looking back at God's faithfulness and trusting for the future of God's hope. Uh, you guys aren't here. Let's go. He's looking at God's resume, okay? He's looking at God's resume, and he's like, no, I know he can do this. You guys, are, you guys aren't ready. He's looking behind to know where his future is going to go. 
That's the tension. That's the hope. That's that expectation. Ooh, some of us lost that tension in our lives. Some of us lost that expectation in our lives, expecting God to be there, expecting faith to turn out the right way. We're just sitting there. We drop the rope. We don't have any tension. We don't have any expectation anymore. Where are we going? Where are we at, church? Where's it gone? The valley of Achor, Hosea, that's crazy. It says the valley of Achor be made into a door of hope. The valley of Achor is, is trouble. It's bad. It's shadowy. It's dark. Someone needs to hear what he didn't say. He didn't say the door of hope was on the top of the valley. He didn't say the door of hope was before the valley or after the valley. He said it's in the valley that he's going to be, God will make a door of hope. Some of you are in the valley hoping to get to the other side, but hope is right with you all along. God is there. Who's our source from Isaiah? God is the source. God is the one. It's based off a biblical person. Come on, you're here? I'm preaching. Man. Someone needs to say, "I, I, I need my valley to be turned into a door of hope. That's a... Someone's in a dark place. Someone's in a bad place. And you need that hope in your life. Man. We see this continuing through the Bible, this theme of hope, and going into more um, the New Testament. The hope switches from the Old Testament. The hope is what we're doing here with Advent. We're looking towards Christmas to the coming of the Messiah. In the New Testament, Paul writes all about the hope of the return of the Messiah. That's where we are today, where our hope should lie today. God is the source of the believer's hope. Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, while we wait for the blessed hope. He is referring to Jesus as the blessed hope. See, the the blessed Messiah, the chosen Son of Christ, the coming into Christmas, now for Paul is the blessed hope. It's the tension, the expectation of waiting. Paul was really, really good at this. He was really, really, he had urgency. He had intentional urgency to share the gospel all over. Hope powered by God. Hmm. See, hope is, is a virtue related to faith. We can't, do, we can't do this talk about hope and not say faith or trust. And those are all kind of intertwined. But picture it this way. If, if faith is the engine in a believer's life, hope is the fuel it runs on. You have to have both can't just have the faith without hope in the distance. You, you do that, it's, that's almost like, yeah, I believe there's a God, but you're not doing anything about it. You don't have the hope that's driving you forward. Hope is the, is the fuel that, and, and faith is the engine. I, I think there's something, there's people out here, um, I know there's, there's someone here that's just, They're feeling disconnected, okay? You're feeling disconnected from God. There's a time in everyone's life, I think, that we go through this, but 
I think some are trapped in this cloud. They're trapped in that valley of Achor a little bit. But you're looking for God. You're looking for an answer or a voice or a sign. And it's hard to find it. And it's hard to see it. And you're asking, why? How? How do I, how do I gain this hope? Where do I go? What do I say? And the first verse I said, I, I, Isaiah he, he said, I will wait for the Lord. And then it says, because he's hiding his face from me, from us, the descendants of Jacob. That's the chosen people. He's hiding his face. Some of you feel like God is hiding from you. God, where are you? You ask him, right? He's not responding. He's not saying anything. You don't hear an audible voice. You don't see a, a, a miraculous sign. So it's hard to keep going. But Hosea says right after, but I will trust in the Lord Anyway, I will trust, I'll hope. It's the gap, not, not that clothing store. It's the gap. Hope is the gap between faith and victory. Write that down. That was nice. <laughs> Hope is the gap between faith and victory, between faith and healing, between faith and restoration. You, wanna, you want to grow in your faith? You ask God for more, and then he stops talking to you, and then he, he maybe pulls himself back from you. You go, well, why, God, why? I asked you for more, and then you went away. He goes, I asked you. He says, I asked you to choose me more. Choose me over over this, this, this weirdness you're feeling. Choose me over this space you're in where you can't hear me, you can't see me all the time. Choose me when it's hard to choose me. That's what he's saying. That's deep. He's the hope of Israel. Jeremiah 17, 13. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. Whew, the, the Lord is our hope, God's chosen people. There's promises of hope all throughout the Psalms. Psalms 33, verse 20. It says, we wait in the hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Come on. Paul's source of hope, Israel's hope, Hosea's enduring hope. Those feeling like, I don't know how Paul actually writes to you and to myself and to us. In, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the enduring, endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Uh, this, is, this is his urge. He says, you might have hope, if you start to look at this verse backwards, you might have hope. If you can endure and press through through the scriptures, read my word. Read my words to you. Look at the promises I've done in the Old Testament. That's how Hosea made it out of his valley. That's how Isaiah made it out of that dark place. He looked at the promises. We, we know he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. We know he did that. So, so God, I know you can do this now. That's hope. That's where we're going. And 
Today's a great day to gain hope for, for a better future, knowing how faithful God was and trusting how faithful he will be. And yeah, I know it sounds, it always sounds nice when I'm here on stage and just saying these things. So today it's going to be a bit more fun and more tangible in ways where we're going to really talk about what these ideas I just threw at you, what these ideas really mean in real life. Um, today I have the honor of speaking with uh, Coach Johnny. Uh, Coach Johnny, come on up. Um, I call him Coach Johnny. He's he's a coach. His name's Johnny. <laughs> we just met yesterday. Um, we had some crossover. He's a the he's a coach at track track and field at Vanguard University, and um, we had some crossover last year. Getting to chat with him, I just uh, I don't know if it should be on, but it's just a. Uh, I, I'm just super blessed that he said yes to this, so I'm pretty excited. And he he was an incredible athlete, and I just I want to actually just introduce you and, and have you introduce yourself a little bit more, but tell us about your athletic career first and where you, where you started in high school and how you, you got into the college um, and even post-college, so. Yeah, good to, good to see you guys today. Thanks for having me today. Um, so I wrestled in high school ninth grade and did really well I guess I, I didn't lose because I didn't go up against anybody no I did <coughs> and and it was something that I was really good at and I didn't touch track and field at all until my sophomore year I figured out wrestling was something I could do I could fight legally <laughs> and and so my freshman year I used to put you know I used to pick guys up and kind of put them down like gently, I'm like, oh, I don't want to hurt you, and I'm talking to them when I'm wrestling, like, hey, are you okay? It's kind of weird. You don't do that as a wrestler, ask them if they're okay in a match. And then sophomore year, I was like, oh, you could fight legally. And this anger came out in me that I never experienced before. Um, and I, di I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. That, that summer leading up to my sophomore year, I went to a church camp, and the pastor was talking about the Holy Spirit, and I had no clue about the Holy Spirit. And so I went up to the pastor and asked him, who's, who's the Holy Spirit? And he told me about the Holy Spirit more and prayed over me to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was like, wow, this is different. And I was still growing in it. I was still wanting to hurt guys, but I felt bad about it. Something was wrong. So I quit. I quit wrestling. I was about like 26-0, and 0, and I quit. And my coaches were really confused why I quit. And I said, I just can't, can't do this anymore. So I competed in track and field and became a sprinter only because you stay in your own lane. You don't touch anybody. <laughs> That's the only reason why I joined track and field. So senior year comes, and my coach comes up to me and says, hey, do you plan on running in college? And I said, oh, is that a thing? You could run in college? He's like, yeah, it's a thing, and I don't think you should do it. <laughs> I said, oh, why not? coach that I look up to <laughs> and he said because you're not good enough you're not gonna make it like don't waste your time so I listened to him because I grew up listening to adults and whatever they said I thought was for my my benefit and so I go to Point Loma Nazarene University and my junior year I see the track team pulling tires and sleds and I went to my buddy and I said hey 
where else can we pull tires and sleds? Why don't we join the track team? That looks really fun. And he said, sure. So I joined the track team and became one of their fastest sprinters that they, they had that year and the next year and then made it on the top like four list of all time. And then afterwards, I took about a year and a half off and I was in a Chili's just picking up food for my parents and I heard a family talking about a track club. So I interrupted them and I said, hey, what's a track club? And they said, oh, you could run track after college. I was like, oh, that's a thing? Like, that's exciting. <laughs> and so she, she gave me the number to this coach. I called the coach. Little did I know he was the 2000 head Olympic coach for the USA women's team. And so I called him and said, hey, I would love to visit and see what this is about. He said, sure, come on over. So I came over and I saw these men that I looked up to for track and field, gold medalist, silver medalist, gold medalist on the team. And I said, hey, coach, nice to meet you. My name's Johnny. He's like, where are your spikes? It's a tryout today. I said, oh, I didn't know I was trying out today. I haven't ran in a year and a half. I just ate pizza every single day. <laughs> and so I tried out. I actually made the team. And for the next five years, I competed professionally. And in 2007, that was a long time ago, Josh, in 2007, I became like the, the fastest Armenian in the world. It's a funny title, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll take it. I'll take it. And at the Armenian Olympics, I gained two gold medals in the 100 and 200. And to wrap it up, I was at a doctor's office, and I saw my high school coach. You know what the first thing he said to me was? Did you ever run after high school? <laughs> Not, hey, good to see you, Johnny. It's been like 15 years. No, he said, did you ever run? I said, actually, I did. He said, how fast did you go? I was like, well, I said, I told him what I ran. And he said, I don't believe you. <laughs> Still trying to give me no hope, right? And I had to Google my name and show it to him that what I said was true. His mouth job, his mouth dropped. He offered me a job to coach sprints on his team. And then on actually, literally on his deathbed, he told me, I want you to take over my team um, that I've been coaching for 22 years. You're the one that I trust. So it's just interesting, like, how God could work through those circumstances. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit of it. No, that's, that's great. I know it's a lot summed up, but it's a fun and really, really cool story. But our, our hope cannot be determined by people, right? He got shut down early on as a high school kid, and then you saw as it just progressed and progressed. You don't, you don't know your window of opportunity, really, if, if you're just going to allow other people to, to do it. But, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, a verse that a verse in, uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.10, it reads, this, That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is a savior of all people, and especially who those who believe. And those words are fun to me, labor and, and strive. Um, I'm also a competitive runner, and athletics is just huge in our life. So I want to ask you, what does hope as a discipline look like in our lives, and how does that relate to being an athlete? Yeah, it's a good question. I like what you said about how it's defined in in the Old Testament of, it's like this tense expectation um, 
there's like confidence that goes with hope. And as an athlete, we trust in the coach and into his or her training program. And maybe we look back on his or her resume, as you said, yeah. of God. You go, wow, you've done this. And I'm going to work the next eight, nine, ten months trusting in your program that I could become some, some, somebody that could be fast or somebody that's going to be really good. And you just keep striving through with that hope in mind. Every single day you come out, you have a bad practice, you're like, that's okay, I still have hope. I'm still going to put my action to, to your words, to your resume, and believe that it could come to pass. And I think about that with God a lot. You know, I think about, as a discipline, David and Goliath, right? Nobody stood up against Goliath except for David. David's young. And when you look back on what David knew about God, it's what every Israelite knew about God back then. He didn't have anything different. He had everything that everybody else had, but they were so scared to go up against them. And then David said, put me, put me in. Like, put me in. I know who my God is. I have hope. It's complete confidence. There's no uncertainty, no doubt that David had. And so he goes up and the story where he defeats Goliath. He's like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I knew who God is. And then even, even Jairus, the synagogue ruler, um, ruler, comes up to Jesus and says, my daughter is dying. Please come and heal her. And on the way, Jesus heals another woman who was bleeding for 12 years. And during that time, one of the Jairus' uh, servants comes and says to him, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. No hope. Yeah. But Jesus knows yeah. he is the hope and says, don't worry, she's just sleeping. And they all laugh at him because they thought, they thought death was it. And he goes and raises her from the dead. I mean, talk about that. Right there, don't bother the teacher anymore. They don't even know who the teacher is yet. And says, don't worry, your daughter is just sleeping. They laugh. Raises her from the dead. As we've been talking about as a discipline, if I don't look to Jesus, to his resume, who he is, and everyday practice that my actions are going to depict what I believe in him, then this will be a very, very dark world for me. A very mm. dark world. Mm. Mm. Man, God's resume. I, I feel like some of us have been going to the the one-star Yelp review, overpriced places for our healing, you know, for our acceptance and love. And you got this five-star Yelp review God, <laughs> and you're going to the wrong place. You're going to the wrong people. You're going to the wrong voices. Yeah. And uh, if it's not seen as a discipline, I mean, you need to start looking at it as a discipline if it's not, it's not exactly natural. I don't know how you feel. Like, hope is circumstances in our life it feels it changes the way we see things so it's hard to um grasp it as a discipline i don't know yeah 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 so i'm a niners fan anybody i'm so sorry no <laughs> yes it was our season this year but you know you know uh like there's still hope that we get the wild card and <laughs> but you know it's more it's more optimism than hope as pastor joss was saying and, and here's the difference, right? It's not biblical, son. Right. So optimism, based on the circumstances, we could hopefully have, we wish for an outcome. 
right? So now we see there, hey, there's optimism because of our circumstances. We have these players back and we're doing really well. But hope, when the circumstances are completely against you and God shows up and says, let me show you what I'm about to do. It's not wishful thinking. Mm. And yeah, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of how, I, how I read it in scripture. Um, my, my uncle used to tell me this, and I'll never forget it. He told me this when I was 18 years old. He said, Johnny, one with God is majority. Mm. He wins mm. every single time. I like that. And when you're with him against all odds, you with God, because you're with God, that situation wins. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, hope, faith, that's faith. Amen, yeah. Um, hope just, it goes hand in hand with faith. Um, hope is just, it derives from faith. It, it goes, it goes with it. You know, that's, um, yeah, I like that. Uh, in Romans chapter eight, uh, verse 24 and 25, it, it talks about this, this faith aspect it says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. And if you interchange hope and faith in that verse, it's, it almost reads very similarly. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. You know, you don't say, I, I hope the 49ers make it last year. Like, it's not a past, pre past kind of thing. It's a future, um, it's a future sight. And yeah, this something that's unseen. I just I'm getting some download. Hang on, uh, you know, faith that's unseen. If you can see, okay, how do I word this? Our what what is unseen, right? You say you walk by faith, not by sight. What is it that's not seen? What is it that's not in your sight? Um, when you're going through it is what, really what I'm talking. When you're going through it, when you're striving after looking for God, where is it that's not in sight? It's, it can be your, your victory, right? It can be your restoration, your healing, your redemption. You can't see that victory. All you see is where you are. And it's the hope and the faith to get to that point. You're not exact, you don't have the win in a, in a sports, you know, you're not gonna win your wrestling match before it takes place, you don't know what the outcome is, but you're expecting it. You're waiting for it. You're hoping for it. Um, I think our our victory, you know, our healing, it's on the other side of what's unseen. It's on the other side of that. That's that just came up. All right, um, Johnny, you mentioned it. You know, talking about faith. You talked. We talked a little bit about this, but your father was really, really bold in his faith. And um, I want you to share a little bit about who your dad was as a, you know, a player of faith and kind of how that affected, um, yeah, I guess just his role of hope and faith. Just share a little bit with us. Yeah, my dad, my dad loved Jesus and loves Jesus. Um, well, I guess we could talk about we could get there maybe. Um, he passed away on January 11th of this year. And, but his life, one story, uh, we went to Armenia together. He used to take trips to Armenia to show people their homeland and where their ancestors came from. 
And so my wife and I, we decided to go with him with a group. In 2018, we went. And my dad and I were just having breakfast in the morning at this hotel. And just me and him early in the morning. And then all of a sudden, people started to come. My dad is like Mr. Armenia, I would say. And it's really interesting because I see him as dad, not Mr. Armenia. And so we're in Armenia, and then all of a sudden, this person comes up to him and says, Garbus, is it you? And I'm going, this guy? Yeah, that's my dad. And he said, can I shake your hand? And I have, like, food in my mouth and going, like, why are you so reverent against my like, for my dad? And so my dad said, yeah, of course. Like, nice to meet you. And he was talking to my dad about something, and then my dad said, I'm going to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. And so during that moment, I was talking to this man, and I said, hey, do you know Dr. Garbus? And I said, yeah, he's, he's my dad. <laughs> and he said, oh. Um, and he said, your dad saved my life. And so I had to ask him, what do you mean? And he talked about how my dad worked so fervently to help this guy get a green card, to help his family get a green card, to come to the United States, to work on those papers, to get him a job, to get him settled, to take care of his family. He said, if it wasn't for your dad, I don't know where myself would be or where my family would be. And I heard that my whole life, guys. My dad would work so hard to serve people. And it came out because of his relationship with Jesus. He had that faith in God to know that this is the, the best way to live. Let me serve people and love people. And he always had this confidence that God was going to come through. And growing up that way, of seeing my dad, without a doubt, his relationship with God led his whole action of what he did. And he never questioned what God was calling him to do. Mm. Mm, that's good. I call that like a, you know, we, we talk about hope as a discipline and now like hope as a mentor. Allow, allow a mentor to, to guide your way, right? And God is our ultimate mentor, but who in this life do we look up to, you know? Um, my dad would always tell me, um, which means my son in Armenian. It's like a very enduring um, word. He would say, my son, God will move. Mm. And I'll, I'll never forget um, him always saying that, like, don't worry, God will move. God will move. That's powerful. Um, Something about faith and and anticipation and the waiting, right? Hope, waiting, tense expectation. And, you know, we're giving you guys just so much to, to pick up, so much grounding, and hopefully it's sticking here and there. But I think a very easy, another easy analogy is just hope is outside of time. And right now, currently, it's Christmas time. And looking forward to opening presents is just, you got hope. You're hoping you get your new whatever it is, you know, your, your new shoes, your new whatever it might be. And, um, but the hope after Christmas is not exactly there, right? You're not hoping for, maybe you're hoping for an entire year the next year, but um, it's not the same hope once you get there. And this is a different type of hope than that. It's not, we use the same word, right? But in Hebrew, there's, there's different definitions of the words there. 
And um, yeah, it's an interesting concept thinking of hope beyond time. Uh, I, don't, I remember anticipating Christmas as a, as a child and there was this one specific year I'd asked my parents, um, who happened to be here today, so hey, um, I asked my parents for, you know, our first dog, and I was like, hey, I really want a dog, and we had been asking for like months, and they were like, well, it's a lot of work, you got to walk it, you know, pick up the poop, feed it, no, you have to feed it? No, I'm just kidding, um, give it water and stuff, and um, I get, we get to Christmas finally, you know, for our, our first dog, and I open up a stuffed animal, I got a, I got a stuffed animal, and they did not get me a dog, my hope was crushed uh, just a little bit, but um, some of that, like, childish hope that we get as kids, like, we still get that. We still have that going into Christmas, but we're just trying to look at it from a different perspective. Um, Johnny, how do you think one starts to think of hope, maybe outside of time, like in their, maybe their daily life, or how do you think of that? Yeah, I guess we, I would say we would, we need to start and end with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I really encourage you to dive as deep as you can to know who he is. And if you do know who he is, keep diving deeper into him because that, that's the only way. Um, as Jesus has conquered death, there it is. And the download that you're getting, I was uh, so we're here, yeah. and if we see it kind of like linearly or physically, that if Jesus is already there in heaven, he's like, hey, I've done it. Yeah. Conquered death. Good to go. And we're, my hope is like, yeah, my hope is in you. Not a saying, but a person. Mm. And so my hope is in you. It's like, you believe in me? And I want you to live the life that I've called you to live here. And when you pass away, the, my hope is in you. So I will be there. And this waiting, this expectation is just that time, right? And yeah. it's kind of like outside of time as well in the sense of when is it going to happen? We don't know, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because it will happen. And I, my hope is in him and it will occur one day. I love that. Um, sometimes I think in those in those places, and in that moment, in that space, it could be sometimes lonely. And the Bible says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." And we don't actually. God speaks, "Let there be light." In verse three. In the first two verses. Right, and we're still talking about hope outside of time here. When the first two verses, there's no light at all. It's just God, and he's creating the heavens and the earth. It says the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. This is this imagery, I mean, in, in, in verse 3, he says, let there be light. That's the miracle of Jesus in verse 3 right there. And that's what we're looking forward to, verse 3, is Christmas is the coming, the miracle of Jesus. That's Advent. But in the first two verses, there's this space. There's this darkness. And if our source, if our hope is God, 
I'm telling you today that there is hope in the darkness. There is hope in that place. And this is really why I actually invited Johnny uh, to join us today is because in light of what's happened with, with you and your family for the last 11 months or so, um, walk us through what happened and how you've grappled with the darkness that surrounds you. Yeah, this, this will be the, the first time that I've shared ever uh, what happened. So bear with me. We're with know, you. I don't know what's going to come out. But it was on a Sunday. My dad wasn't feeling too well. And we, we told him, like, hey, get a, get a COVID test. Let's just, you know, see what happened. And so he does, and he comes back positive. And we're like, okay, dad, got to stay home. And if you know my dad, he does not like to sit does not like to stay home. He, he was always up before we were up, sleeping after we were sleeping. And I remember him just being 20 hours a day, just nonstop. And so he had a, he had a rough time just sitting. And then Wednesday is when he, that following Wednesday is when we, he got rushed to the hospital. Just wasn't feeling too well. Thursday we got the updates. He's not doing great, guys. He's not doing well. We started to contact as many people as we knew. And since my dad is kind of like an international, international guy, there was, there was tens of thousands of people praying for him, praying for healing. Friday comes. Hey, your dad's doing better. Awesome. We know God could do this. Saturday comes. Hey, he's not, he's not doing too well. He's not doing too well. And then... We got more updates that he's not doing too well. But we're still praying, and we know God can do this. And, you know, our prayers were, God, we want you to heal. But if you decide not to, you have to help us out here because I don't know what we're, I don't know what to do with that. And so we finally got the update that, hey, your dad, your dad just had a heart attack, and we, we revived him. He's back. I'm like, sweet, we're back. And then he had a second one about 10 minutes later. And then they said, hey, this is, this is going to be it. We advise you, we encourage you that if he has a third one, we're not going to revive him. That's it. And so I rush over to my brother's house here in Costa Mesa. And I, and I meet up with him to go visit dad. They're like, hey, you could come visit. And we said, all right. Let's just go. We're going to grab mom. She's about 45 minutes away. We're going to go to the hospital. It's about 20 minutes away. We have like an hour, fifth hour, maybe 65, 70 minutes to go. So I go to my brother, and he, tears in his eyes, he comes and gives me a hug. And he said, Johnny, this is, this is going to be it. And that's when I found out the doctor said, if he has his third heart attack, we're not going to revive him. And being the younger brother, I'm like, Jim, don't worry. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. He's like, Johnny. This is it. And, and I was just in the car going, ah, it's okay. So we were driving to pick up mom. We got the call at 7, uh, got the call around like 8, 8.05. And they said, your dad passed at 7.54 p.m. We were 30 seconds from my mom's house to pick her up. So we pulled over and we said, okay. 
what are we going to tell mom? Because my mom was so excited. She was giddy. So we get to the house, and she has, like, her bag's packed just in case she's going to sleep over if they allow that to happen. And she, we open the door, and she's ready to go, just standing at the door, ready to go visit her husband of 48 years. And we walk in, and we say, Mom, we need you to sit down. And she said, why? We got to go. We're like, Mom, you, you have to sit down. So we sit mom down, and we tell her. So we tell mom what happened. And she said, she's just taking it all in. This was the first words out of my mom's mouth. I hope this does not deter anybody's faith that God is still good. Where does that come from? Where does that faith, that joy come from? And so we're allowed to go see dad. Already passed as we got there. And these last 10 months have been in, 11 months have been in limbo. And darkness has been, has been something that I've had a hard time dealing with. So educationally, I got my bachelor's in, in ministry and in biblical theology. I got my master's in biblical theology. I have my doctorate in ministry. I was like, I got this. I've been counseling people for a long time through death and pain. And I have the hardest time with my conversations with God that you thought this was best or you could have stopped this and you decided not to. But Having joy in the midst of pain is real because I do know that in between, my dad was, had hope that whenever he would pass, he's going to be with Jesus. It's a given. That's hope. It's a given. And my hope, I miss him, guys. Like, I really do. Hmm. Like, we all do. But... What I'm reminded of is in this world, like bones will break. In this world, the hearts will break. But it's not going to be like that forever. And through Jesus, healing comes. So the healing didn't come when we wanted it to. Mm. And when Jesus raised that 12-year-old girl from the dead, the healing came. But you know what? She passed away again. Lazarus was healed, raised from the dead. He passed away again. Hmm. There's going to be an ultimate healing that we will never die. And even though God did not answer our prayers the way I wanted it to, he has already answered the prayer that my dad is with Jesus. Yeah. And that one day I will not only be with my dad, I look forward to that 100%. 
but I look forward also, I mean, to be with Jesus, right? And we're going to all be together. So it still hurts, but I do know God is still good. God is still with us. God is with us in the pain. How, how does this pain get redeemed? People talk about everything's going to be redeemed. I don't get it back. I don't get my dad back right now. I don't get those moments where I can see him playing with my two-year-old daughter. We don't get that back. But that's not what it's about. Mm. It's about that God will continually be with us in our pain. And eventually, we will all be together again. So, still in the darkness, still in the pain. But I have 100% joy in it as well. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for just being, being here and doing this. This is, we're blessed because of your presence and your words. Do you think there's, and this, this question could be flawed in general, but is there a positive or is there a redeeming point for you now. There's a there's a verse that always comes to my mind when I think about my dad that I've told my wife and she does not like to hear this. I said, I want this on my on my tombstone. She's like, Stop talking about death all the time. <laughs> and I said, But I want I want this on my tombstone and I know this is true of my dad and here's like the positive. Um, in Hebrews 13, it talks about, and they were still living by faith when they died. That sums up my dad's life. He was still living by faith when he died. So the positive is, I was surrounded by a dad for 41 years who showed me practically what it looks like to have faith in Jesus the hope he had with him. Mm. And I get to share that with my daughter, with my friends, with you guys. And uh, a, a hymn comes to mind of Oh Holy Night. Yeah. And there's a verse in the hymn that says, The thrill of hope. <laughs> it's very thrilling to have hope in Jesus. And the hymn goes on, it says, The thrill, the thrill of hope. The weary soul rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A thrill of hope, the weary, the weary soul rejoices. My soul is weary, but it rejoices because of the thrill of hope that my dad put his hope in Jesus. Mm. There's nothing more positive I could have of him that, that knowing is. that he is with, yeah. like physically with Jesus now. I just, I think that that sums it up so well. I mean, you, you've gone through stuff and you're going to continue to be going through it. And I just thank you again for sharing this, um, this dark place, right? And, and God and his dad's faith. And, and it's just amazing um, to hear a tangible story, a person who's in the darkness, grasping onto hope, 
it's an encouragement. You're an encouragement, Johnny. This is um, this is amazing. I we couldn't put into words what you just did, what you were able to share and pour out your heart. And I thank you so much for that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. And I I think I know we lit the candle, but I'm gonna blow it out. <laughs> Because it's not traditional, remember. (laughs) But Johnny, I think this light, this candlelight needs to be for your father. And it needs to be representing, yes, it's Jesus. I could take the, yes, it's, it's Christ in the coming. But this is your hope you've given to us today. Would you all just stand to your feet with me? I'm actually, John, I need you to come back up here. (laughs) I think it just needs to be, um, could you pray a prayer for us, just of hope over us, over this church, over I don't know where you guys are at, but I know, I think we all believe and know that at some point we've all been in darkness, and I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the only one to give us joy in that darkness, is the only one, so I really encourage you to come talk to the pastors afterwards, ask all the questions that you have, do not leave the stone of Jesus unturned, find out who he is, dive deep. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, you of of anyone knows what it feels like to to have that pain. The world that you created turned its back on you. And you decided, I need to solve this by sending your son, dying on the cross, raising up again, saying that I will always have the last word and pain will not, pain will not last. And so I ask you, Lord, that you reveal to us who you are more and more and that our hope, that our wishful thinking or whatever optimism turns into hope of 100% confidence that you exist, that us following you is the best way possible in this world that you have conquered sin, that you do get the last word, that you win. And then whenever we pass, the hope that we have in you, we will be with you physically forever. So those of us here, God, that do not, we do not have that hope, I ask that they will lean into you more because you are speaking to them. And those of us that have that hope, let us encourage one another daily to keep that hope and to keep it strong, and help us share this hope with others, because this world needs to know who you are. Thank you, God, for this time. We look forward to what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much.
um, I just feel like we're not, there's, there's a lot of us here that's, um, it's hitting home. There were some heavy things that were said, some big concepts were said. And if you need, if you need prayer, and if you need, right, like I said in the beginning, to your valley of Acor, this altar right up front is your, your door of hope. Come meet God right now. Come meet God today. Experience his love, experience his healing, experience his hope. If you read specific prayer, I'm going to stand up front here, and, and Pastor Jeff's going to be in the back. Uh, we are available and ready to pray for you guys. Uh, if you just really, you feel like that was on your heart, something hit home, something was there today, this is for you. This is your moment. Respond as we start to, to sing worship. Respond as we start to, to dive in more and experience this, experience this here and now. Um, this moment is already set up for you. you, you it's already laid out here. Um, your door of hope is, is here, right? Capture it, walk through it, walk through that threshold. Um, we thank you, thank you, thank you. If we could have some of the elders come to the front, maybe to the back also. The chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my Sealed the promise, your buried father.
Thank you, God, that you are our living hope. Father, we are so blessed. We are so grateful, God, that we have that hope in Jesus Christ that will never die, that will never end, as Johnny and Josh spoke to us, that it is because of that hope that we look forward to that day where we can look into the eyes of Jesus and fall before him to say thank you. God, it is such a great assurance. And yes, those, there are those who have gone before us that we will miss. We think of our sister Pearl who has gone before us this week. And her last message to us says, do not be afraid. And I am not afraid for I know to whom I go. And how she blessed our lives. For that, God, we are so grateful because she is standing in your presence on this day. So, Father, let us sing because you alone are worthy and we come to adore you. Amen. Sing with us. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let
God's people said. Amen. Amen. Just a couple of real quick announcements, church. Uh, following next Saturday at 7 a.m., correct, Rich? 7 a.m. will be the men's breakfast, and it's right across the street. And, yes, the breakfast burritos will be back. So, yes, the men are all happy about that. So we will have those next week. And um, we did let you know that this week, our dear sister Pearl, she did go home to be with the Lord this week. And I did have one more thing to announce, and I can't remember what that was. And I'm hoping that somebody did remind me. Well, it was three things, but that was it. Okay. <laughs> so they will come out in the bulletins. Be looking. Jeannie, I'm sure, will remind us all because Jeannie knows everything. God bless you all. It was great to be <laughs> it was great to be together. Now that we want to say thank you to Josh and Johnny. God bless Ben. What a message this day. Incredible day. Please remember to be in touch with each other. Love you all dearly. You have a great and blessed day. And it is good to be in the house of the Lord today. So thank you all for being here. God bless. That was it. Hey, church, real quick, what we need is we need some help up here. we got to put the risers on the stage for the kids. So please, if you could help, come up and help us move risers onto the stage.